Welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bloombox Growing Deeper. We're so excited to have you all here again. Um, we're in the midst of preparing for spring, so I know everybody's excited to get ready for their spring planting, looking at their seed catalogs, ordering their plants, hopefully excited for spring affair because it's coming up and we're ready to have you. But today we have um, a little bit of a different episode where we're not talking about gardening in our own gardens. We're talking about a much bigger scale. So we are going to be talking about roadside as with a special interest in interstates and highways and that type of planting. And that is because you all have been asking us these questions. So you ask, we deliver. That's what we're going for here. So without further ado, I think Sarah is going to take over for a minute. All right. Thank you, Ron, for joining us today. We have Ron from the Department of Transportation, um, and he's going to tell us first, maybe tell us a little bit about your job and what you do at the DOT, and then we'll go into some questions that we've been hearing from listeners and NSA uh, members for a long time. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Ron Poe, and I'm a, my technically I'm an environmental supervisor in the environmental section at Department of Transportation. Um, I also serve as our landscape architect for the department. Um, I manage a group. Um, our, our unit is called the Roadside Development and Compliance Unit. Where I have nine staff working with me. And we're responsible for landscape planning, landscape management for our highway system, um, as well as erosion control design, um, we, water quality planning, water quality permitting. Um, we also have environmental compliance and... Um, noise, air, and hazardous material programs underneath my purview. So, so we're involved in a lot of different stuff and roadside management and planting and the grasses and whatnot that we put on the roadside. That's just one small piece of the, the work that we do in our group. Um, just a little bit about DOT, I guess. Um, we're the Department of Transportation. We divide the state into eight districts. And, and that's for the purposes of maintenance and construction of our highway system. Um, within those eight districts, you know, personally, I work in our central headquarters, so we're developing um, policies, procedures, as well as we review all the projects going out for bid for, for our highway system. And then we're responsible for all the seed mixtures and whatever we're going to be putting, putting on those projects. Um, the mission of DOT is to provide the best possible transportation system for the movement of people and goods. And and with that, you know, obviously making sure we have a safe highway is our number one priority. Um, but me personally, um, my goals with the department are to um, basically keep up with the work that my predecessors have done. And the people that hired me, they were responsible in the 60s for our turning our roadsides from brome into native grasses mm -hmm. and so i felt I've, I've continued that work that they started and that's still our mission today is how do we get brome off the right away and how do we get more more natives out there yeah it sounds like we are talking to the right person because that is uh 
something we always bet we hear a lot in our world we work with native plants and getting more of them in the world um, and so we get a lot of questions about well how come we can't just plant a prairie in every ditch um, and it's good to talk to somebody who can say that's important and we value that we also have to keep drivers safe and we have to keep traffic moving so the first question we wanted to ask you is um, how does the DOT work to cultivate or value native plants um, and I think you touched a little bit on that, but then what are some of the challenges to using native plants in the, in the roadside plantings? I guess, you know, to throw that back, what do you define as native <laughs> in that, you know, and, you know, like I said previously, you know, back before the late sixties, everything was planted to brome for a highway mm-hmm. and that, you know, a lot of people still use those species today. And so those are con- continually creeping onto the roadside. So are we, t- you know, when, you, when we say native, are we talking before settlers came to Nebraska or the Ice Age or, That's or, really or just good, yeah. the, the, the highway as I see it that I'm trying to move to the more warm season, tall grass, prairie type grasses? That's a great question. We should start with definitions always. So at the statewide arboretum, we have uh, maybe a looser definition of native than than some people. Some people go to absolutely must be proven to exist prior to settlement in this county. We work with native to the ecosystem that belongs here. So are we tall grass prairie in the east? Are we short grass prairie in the west? Um, and we work with adapted plants too, plants that maybe weren't specifically found here pre-settlement, but but fit the ecosystem and add to the biodiversity. So. That's where we stand on native. Yep, very good. Yeah, because we're, we're trying to, you know, my, my goals are to try and give our traveling public a glimpse of what our prairie heritage is kind of across the state. And we can, we just, and we, we don't have a major budget or anything. We're, we're working within the confines that we have. And so we take it one project as, at a time as projects are dealt to us and, and trying to change those grasses over to our native species as we can. Um, yeah, the roadside environment, you know, it is, it is a man-made environment. And so, you know, technically nothing there is or was native prior to the 60s. And so, you know, we're just trying to revert that back to, I think mm-hmm. our, my definition is probably very similar to yours as pre, pre-settlement and giving people a glimpse of what that could have looked like. I totally agree with that. And I think it's important for people to understand. And we deal with this when we're asked to do plantings in new developments all the time, which is, well, we've changed everything about this environment right here. When we did this construction and especially roadways, you're, you know, you have to scrape and level the ground and where does that go? And you have all of these different things that have changed the soil, changed the, the, biodiversity there all of these things so you can't just turn it back um 200 years or (laughs) something like that because you have to nurture it through all of those those changes yeah and that's one of the challenges we face is that you know the we talk about how long it takes to create a topsoil and that that's probably the key for growing our native plants and topsoil to us is it's been there like 50 years maybe and and so you just don't have that hundreds of years that a traditional real topsoil would have which challenges our our ability to to grow those native plants 
One more question on like grassland species, or maybe this is more of a comment, but before we move on to, to woody species is that we also see this, um, we've worked in highway side, especially like entrance to community plantings before. Um, the one where we enter Lincoln on Cornhusker, we were part of that project. We've been part in other communities. And when you pass a landscape at walking speed, and when you pass a landscape at 50, 60, 80 miles an hour, you have a completely different design goal um, than you might have if you were restoring a prairie for habitat value. And we try to combine those things. And I can imagine that's a, a large challenge. Absolutely. And along with that, uh, you know, NSA has partnered with the Forest Service. One of the things that we hear a lot, too, is managing the side sides of the roads to make sure that you're not sparking any fires. Um as vehicles go along they get disabled or something they pull over and then all of a sudden the hot engine starts a grass fire and Mm -hmm. then you run into all of those problems so i'm sure like we're trying to keep all of these things in mind that sometimes probably are a higher priority than trying to keep a native grassland Right. And, and to, to that thought, you know, we, we do have, we, we have several different grass mixtures that we use across the state based on where, the region of the state we're in. Um, but traditionally we'll have a, a, a short grass, highly mobile um, mixture that goes for the first 16 feet adjacent to our shoulders and then medians. Um, that allows us to maintain that, that safety aspect, allows us to mow those plants without having having issues with with plants growing and whatnot Um, once we get past that 16 foot then we go to more of our traditional tall grass prairie type mixtures where we don't anticipate mowing and whatnot yeah can you talk a little bit about the seed mixtures that because i i looked at your okay i skimmed it Sarah read it, (laughs) the guidelines, Um, because you have really specific seed mixtures that can be used in certain parts of the state and next to certain uh, roadways. So can you talk just a little bit about that and how that's decided? Um, We have a manual online called the Plan for the Roadside Environment, and that gives a very high-level discussion about the different plants that we're using for the various ecoregions across the state. Um, and we, another manual we have is our roadside vegetation establishment manual, and that gives some more site specific, um, mixtures that we would be using from a maintenance standpoint. Um, the mixtures in that manual are much lower cost for our maintenance staff. Um, when we're doing a new construction project, um, We'll have a lot more diversity in that mixture, and we'll have a lot, you know, our wildflower count increases significantly and whatnot. So we, we, do, we do have some different mixes that we're using. and um, also depends on what part of the state we're in. Because so, you know, that ecoregion that's local for that particular area is going to have different grasses and whatnot than, than other, other port, parts of the state as well. Yeah, if anybody has questions, I did not find it terribly hard to read. There were parts I skimmed that I didn't, you know, weren't pertinent to me, but... Um, yeah, they were pretty in-depth. It was, <laughs> it was pretty in-depth, but there were parts that really answer some questions. I mean, just on mowing considerations, they don't end at the fall. You have to think about how the debris left behind affects snow, and we're all um, fresh in our minds what happens when snow drifts where we don't want it. So uh, all of those considerations 
I can imagine you end up with a pretty narrow choices sometimes that you can actually make. Yeah, and we put together our manuals and they're very comprehensive. Our our staff that are doing a lot of our maintenance, you know, they're they're experts at taking care of the roadway. They're not necessarily experts in vegetation. Mm-hmm. And so we're that's one of our challenges across the state is the staff that we have to do our roadside maintenance. And we need to give them all the tools that they can have in order to and constantly educating them and whatnot to make sure they know what they need to do to to take care of those those roadsides. All right, so now we want to shift just a little bit to talk about trees, or as Sarah says, woodies. Um, but I just call them trees. <laughs> so, shrubs. There we go. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about how it is decided if trees can be planted along roadways? Um, I talk about this a lot. I go and visit my sister in Arkansas, and I swear it's like they are constantly just hacking back trees from the roadways because they grow trees a lot faster than we do. But there's benefits and drawbacks to having trees along roadways. So how is that decided, and just what are some of the determining factors? Yeah, when I was first hired by DOT, that was what I was hired for, was to do tree planting designs for, for the roadsides. Um, over That lasted up until the early 2000s, and then and we really made a shift towards focusing more on the native prairie heritage of our state and, get, and actually getting away from a lot of the tree planting. Um, most of the tree planting that you see along the highways, it's pre, pre-2000 pretty much for for our planting plans. Um, we still do some tree planting, um, but it's gonna be um, more related to, uh, number one, what, what's the context of trees in our, in our road, roadside? Um, do, does it fit within the surrounding landscape so that it kind of helps blend the roadside into what the surrounding landscape is around us? Um, but primarily interchanges and locations for um, urban corridors, when we're, we're getting into more urban type situations, that's going to be the focus of our tree planting today. Um, you know, we did, a couple recent projects we did, um, we did a tree planting plan at the interchange going into Nebraska City, and the, the west side of Lincoln was another one that we did, and those were based on environmental commitments related to those communities. Um, we currently have a couple projects slated for um, some work in Columbus as well as Grand Island where we do doing some tree planting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's mostly urban so because we f- feel that our urban areas are kind of where trees belong in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, some other area, you know, we do a lot of wetland mitigation sites. And so if we're in forested wetland scenarios, then we're doing tree planting for those. And those are all native to our Nebraska wetlands that we're putting into those situations where the urban stuff will be using a lot more of the ornamentals and cultivated species. Um, for our erosion control, we get into willow staking and do some bioengineering with woodies in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I'm you know, just doing different things like that to help woodies fit within the landscape better. That makes perfect sense. And I appreciate that because we are a great plain state and trees have a lot of value to us, especially in urban areas. But um, it's also special that we get to show visitors from the eastern states in there what feel like to us very claustrophobic highways, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> what it can look like to be out in the open. Um, it's, it's, it's our view, right? Right. 
Um, and there is a safety aspect to trees as well. You know, we, we need to make sure that we keep distance away from the roadway free of trees, or, or we feel we do from a safety aspect. So we're not, we don't have, you know, in case cars do go off the roadway, they're not encountering trees. So Right. I know we drove out to Washington, D.C. once. Um, my whole family did. And I was enjoying the trees, you know, looking at them. And my dad was on edge the entire drive waiting for a deer to pop out in front of him. So uh, there's there's a little benefit to seeing our roadsides open. Yeah, we did the drive from Lincoln to New York City mm-hmm. and go, going through um, Pennsylvania and Ohio and whatnot in New York. Very heavily treated. And it fits for them. It's right. It's It's right. It's It's correct for their location. Um, And we've worked, we've had several projects and probably a few upcoming ones where we've worked with communities where the highway goes through town and is part of the business district or or a main stretch through town. Mm -hmm. And that is a very appropriate place to have trees. Absolutely. Uh, We just, last year we were working in Valentine with their um, upgrades to their highway through town. And I think we'll have a few in the next year or so where we're helping as well get some shade on the parking and on the businesses, but at the same time maintain visibility on the highway. Yep. Okay. So you've talked about this a little bit, but do you have anything to add to how you have to adjust planting projects to respond to the different ecological conditions across the state? Um, I think it's really interesting, you know, as you drive, we, we have the advantage of being able to drive pretty much east to west or west to east across the state mm-hmm. and see the difference. And um, we travel out for Wildflower Week every at the beginning of June, it's the first full week of June, and we visit the Panhandle area. And so especially as soon as you get off I-80 and you're traveling in those highways, you can really see, one, a wealth of wildflowers, and two, um, just how different it is across the state. So how do you adjust things? Um, well, that, that, that manual I talked about previously, the plan for the roadside environment, um, within that, we talked about we talked about six different landscape regions of, of the state, and those and all of our seed mixtures are based upon those those landscape regions, and so that that that's kind of our guiding factor as to how we decide which which plants we're going to put in which part of the state, um, so that you know, we have more sand hills type plants going in the sand hills and western Nebraska having more of a shorter grass prairie, mm-hmm. and then the tall stuff out more out east. So as you were, you, you touched on how you have a lot of experts in road development and maintenance, um, and you have to combine that then with the habitat and the ecological maintenance. Um, are those different? Do you have a separate group of people that does, you know, like mowing and landscape maintenance, or is it the same and you have to work with communicating, you know, the needs of the roadside versus the road? Um. To, to some extent, it is the same people, and so we do a lot of education of, of those folks about you know, like noxious weeds and mowing practices and whatnot. Um, but the districts do have the ability, and a lot of most of them do, to hire contracts or contractors, and then we'll have contract mowers take care of a lot of that work so that our guys can focus on the, on the road itself. And as far as like noxious weed control, a lot of that is contract, majority of that is contracted out across the state to um, county weed or other, other, other companies that they're, they're very not, that's, that's their specialty, that's what they know. So mm-hmm. getting the people doing that work that know exactly what they're doing. 
Um, our guys, from from a weed standpoint, our guy, how we educate our guys on what what our noxious weeds look like, so that they can identify them. And then a lot of the spraying goes to their that goes to their contractors when that when that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I imagine roadside plantings where we already have soil disturbance and and you know anytime we do road work and stuff, we have more disturbance as a prime place to see nauseous weeds pop up. So we got to be ready for them. Right. And, and as a, as a policy, we don't broadcast spray our, our roadsides because we do we are trying to grow wildflowers at the same time, and so we we require spot spraying as, as noxious weeds pop up just to hit those those plants and not just do preventative broadcast spraying of the entire roadside. Mm-hmm. That so makes I've seen yeah. I've seen that in a lot of states where yeah. we just have a boom sprayer going and just just nuking everything that <laughs> that's in the way pretty much. Yeah, it's not grass. Uh, does, is there anywhere particularly, or is there a project where nauseous weeds have, have themselves created the barrier to getting a project done? Or is it more something that just pops up and needs ongoing maintenance? It's just an ongoing maintenance thing. We, we haven't had that be a barrier to, to, to a construction project or anything. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it is something that has to be taken into yeah. account. Um, like for for all of our construction projects, we require our our hay for mulching to be noxious weed free certified and brome free certified. And then the county weed authorities have they they do a they they both certify those fields for us to make sure that we're getting pure pure hay for the for the jobs. And and so that helps us to cut down on spread of of those weed species. Wish I could get some of that for my yard. I'm sick and tired of the weeds that come in on my mulch. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to find brome-free mulch these days, too. So. That's for sure. I can relate. Um, I Yeah, that's all really interesting. Do you see, then, also a play in, like, what the neighboring land is and how that affects, I think, like, cropland versus acreages versus forested land pasture land um how that impacts the roadside plantings as well yeah that's that's definitely a a concern or or something you have to take into account um you know for instance we'll have if you start doing plant counts within the roadside you'll find you'll find a lot of bluegrass and we're Mm -hmm. we're not planting bluegrass it just come comes in by wind or whatever from adjacent areas and the same with, with brome, you know, we do everything we can to eradicate it, but it's it's in the neighboring pastures, and it's just it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, from a, from a weed standpoint, if we're seeing weeds in adjacent fields, then I think we have a duty to talk to that landowner or let them know, because those are going to travel you know those travel back and forth between our our properties as well. Um, we've had to take, you know, when I first took over the, the program 20-some years ago, we had to take a hard look at a lot, some of the plants that we were using. Um, some of them, um, they had some invasive tendencies to them. They weren't necessarily, no, they weren't noxious by any means, but and it's just, you know, you'll find things popping up in a neighboring pasture that may have come off the right-of-way 20-some years ago, and so it's, you know, it's like making sure that we're not doing those using those type plants anymore well i know one of those plants that um our colleague justin has been raising the 
the alarm about definitely has been calorie pair and how that is popping up, especially on roadsides from neighboring lands, from uh, neighborhoods who planted them or just, you know, acreages. Because ev- for a while there, calorie pear was the tree to plant oh, for yeah. flowers, right? And now I know that communities are dealing with it along their roadsides and ditches and right-of-ways. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I think... Uh, you know, it goes it goes both ways. And I like that you said, you know, we talk to the land order because then, yeah, it's going to go back and forth. It's right. not one way or the other. Yeah, we can get rid of it off the roadside, but if it's still on the neighboring properties, then it's going to be right back again. So mm-hmm. exactly. ho- hopefully there can be some level of partnership to help take right. care of stuff. Before we move but on. Our, our challenging woody is prob- probably the... Um, Eastern red cedar is probably our, our our number one nemesis that we just cannot Arth ever too. battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if there was a, a, a difference or a more or less frustration with woody weeds, because that's something that in all in our plantings that we work with that can be very urban, um, woody weeds are one of the hardest things to deal with because, you know, an annual you know, herbaceous weed you can, you can deal with, but, um, the constant influx of woody weeds is very hard and maybe mowing helps with that. Yeah. Yeah. It it helps as long as we can get at them while they're still mowable. Mm -hmm. Um, they get up to a certain size and all of a sudden people start mowing around them and then they, then they're they're there. (laughs) So before we move on to kind of our wrap up questions, I was curious, uh, we've talked about the challenges, but is there any particular project through the state that you're really proud of or um, is like a highlight of the success you're trying to achieve in other places? Sure. Um, Yeah, probably the Highway 2 from Lincoln to Nebraska City is probably one of my favorite projects um, in that... Uh, we, it was probably about 20-some years ago when it was designed and built, and it was just when I was first starting out at DOT. And for some reason, the wildflowers have taken awesome on that job, and today you can still see a lot of the wildflower efforts that we put into that project. And, and we did some tree planting along there too, and I think and you know, a, lot, a lot of stuff right around Nebraska City, but along the corridor as well. And some some of that worked quite well, but most mostly is the wildflower plantings along there. Mm-hmm. Then driving through the sand hills, I, I I love our roadsides in the sand hills, and I I could just just go out there and just drive just for the heck of it. So I would agree. I drive. My in laws are out west. We drive through the sand hills a lot, and oh, yeah. it's a beautiful drive. And that drive to Nebraska City too. I appreciate you highlighting that project because that's a good time frame to remind people of. Um, sometimes when we work on prairie restorations, the hardest part is communicating that this is not a one-year project. Um, there's no way we can do a prairie restoration or a native seeding planting and give you what you think the result is in one year. Yeah, and everybody wants that. <laughs> you know, pr- prior to Department of Transportation, I was working with homeowners and stuff, and it was very challenging because everybody wants that instant gratification plan it now and it's gonna be perfect in by next spring and it's just not the case with native plants well and all landscapes are ever evolving right they're constantly changing responding to new environmental uh, impacts and different things so i think whether it's native plants or not you're never gonna see exactly what you want every year yeah (laughs) 
And I just, something I, I realized that we should talk about, um, you know, we talked earlier about the speed at which you see these landscapes. And if you walk through a, a you know, a remnant prairie or a properly restored prairie, you get to see the flowers in amongst the grass. But grass makes up a large percentage of the planting naturally and appropriately. On the roadside, that's going to happen over time too. You might seed the forbs in very heavily, but if you're restoring that landscape, it's going to become more and more grasses. But I imagine that's a challenge for you design-wise because you are trying to keep a high level of flowers that can be seen um, and appreciated at that speed. So I, I want, I hope people slow down, maybe not slow down literally, yeah. <laughs> but um, just think for a second that maybe there's more there than you can see going 80. Yeah, we've been doing several research projects with uh, with UNL as well, trying to figure out how to better have have better sustainability of our wildflowers. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at you know, the the rate that our grasses are pl- planted, because you know, we we need to, we still need to maintain erosion control for water quality issues, and and so we need a high level of grass for for that reason. But if you know, is there a, is there a magic number that we can cut our species down in our grasses in order to give some more time for wildflowers? Um, we have another project where we've been looking at wildflower islands. Mm-hmm. It's where we just take the backslope and not plant any grasses, just focus them just solely on wildflowers from a pollinator standpoint. So, so we can you know, provide spots for butterflies and bees and stuff to, to better utilize that roadside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the... And the works we've been trying to do to try to try and get better wildflowers. It's it's just a challenge with you know with our grass species. Where um, if we can get five to ten years of flowers before the grasses take over, then that's probably about as about success for us mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. So I think that takes us into one of the, our questions um, to wrap up here. And that's, is it realistic to expect Nebraska roads to look like the wildfire roadways that we see on social media? I know this is where a lot of our questions come from as you drive through Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, um, and you see that touted where like, look at all these wildflowers growing. Is that a realistic expectation in Nebraska? Um, what, what I understand about the, and, and I may be incorrect, but what I understand about the wildflower programs down there is that there's a lot of outside entities that come in and annually are reseeding wildflowers to make sure that they keep, live up to their name of wildflower states. And so there's, I mean, if you have that extra boost besides just the DOT helping out to maintain those wildflowers, um, here in Nebraska, it, you know, we're, like I said, we're tr- we're trying for five to ten years of flowers before our grasses take over, um, but just the the robust nature of our grasses and it's very challenging to keep them going for for long term. But but through some of that research stuff we're doing, you know, hopefully we can get some longer life in the future from them. Yeah, I appreciate that comment and what you said at the beginning about changing from just what is a functional roadside planting to what shows off our state heritage in in plants um and that's it's not texas and that's not texas's heritage either that's a purposeful maintained wildflower planting and we get to choose you know do you want real or do you want the pretty picture perfect and it sounds like you're trying to combine those two into what we're trying to find a happy medium yeah (laughs) 
and hopefully eventually we get there. But, and, and, and some projects, like I said, some of them work, work great. You, know, you, you get out into western Nebraska where our, our grasses aren't as, as thick, I guess, and, and, and we do see a lot more wildflowers out, out that direction. As evidenced by Wildflower Week. Join us <laughs> Wildflower Week, people, and you'll be able to see all the wildflowers growing along the roadways. So much so that if you're following behind us, keep an eye because sometimes we're pulling over to look at the plants. <laughs> uh, we do it safely, though. Um, so I guess finally, what do you wish more people knew about the effort to maintain native plants or just any planting along roadways because I think there's a lot of perceptions and people have a lot of per opinions mm -hmm. but <laughs> they don't have all of the background knowledge yeah that's yeah that's a tough question in that you know a lot of a lot of people they're very much oriented to it's like they want to see the manicured lawn golf course type roadside where everything's mowed and tall grass is weeds and whatnot and mm -hmm. And that may be the right plant, right thing in an urban type situation. But out in the highway, you know, we're trying to educate people as to what native grasses are. And and like I said, like I said at the beginning, you know, my my goal is to show people what our prairie heritage is and and a glimpse of that. And and if we can do that by educating people, you know, one plant at a time or one drive at a time. Um, we're, we're, we're currently in the process of developing a new wildflower brochure that we're going to have available in all of our rest areas to tell people about what plants are, they're seeing along the roadsides to help with that education of people. Um, and so the, now we're looking forward to that coming out here early this summer, hopefully. So our final drafts, hopefully it's going to be ready to go for tourism season. Well, that was a great conversation, um, and we will take and filter questions for you. So if people send us questions, um, all our usual ways on, on an email, a Facebook message, um, we can share them with Ron um, and get answers back out. So I don't know that Hannah and I may be able to answer questions specifically <laughs> ourselves, but we have contact with Ron and we can get answers. As we wrap up, Hannah reminded us this time we have managed to prepare our plants of the week. So <laughs> do you want to go first, Hannah? Okay, my plant of the week is my Christmas cactus, and that is because it's somehow blooming again. <laughs> and I don't know why. It bloomed over Christmas. It was gorgeous. And now it has just one bloom that is very pretty, but... I don't know what's happening. Um, I do think it maybe has something to do with the fact that um, the cat knocked over all of my plants right around Christmas, and maybe that disturbed some things. <laughs> it definitely disturbed some things. but um, So maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Do you have a plant of the week, Ron? Um, I would have to say... It we, we just we just moved into a new new development, and the city gave us a Japanese tree lilac out in front of our house. And after twenty below weather, it still has buds on it. And so I so I'm hoping it's going to leaf out this year. So that sounds very hopeful because that was tough for a brand new planted tree. Yes, I think mine is going to be the shrubs outside my house. And I know I keep getting in trouble for doing groups of plants, but I have a juniper and a eastern wahoo 
outside the front of our house. And they've been so full of all the birds in this cold weather. Uh, we've been throwing bird seed out. We've been too cold and, and lazy sometimes to go all the way to the bird feeder, but we've been throwing it out on the driveway. Uh, and it's fun to see those shrubs just full of little birds waiting for their, the seed. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, Ron. We really appreciate it. Um, and everyone else, thank you for listening. Like we said, don't forget to send in your questions. Please don't forget to rate and review us. That's what helps people find us and share us with your friends. If you're not a member of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum, remember you can join on plantnebraska.org. And that's the best way to support everything we do, including this podcast. So um, I guess everyone have a good rest of your day. And Bloombox and Bloombox Growing Deeper are both programs of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Mm-hmm.